I started traveling and I was helping train sellers internally to help serve these customers differently. Mm -hmm. And I found out these like these younger group of folks were so I was like the big brother. They wanted to like make him make me proud and do everything I can to make me happy. And they were so competitive. They wanted to win every single deal, which I loved. Mm -hmm. However, I said, well, guys, we have to win when we lose. And they looked at me like I was speaking, speaking German. Mm -hmm. And right there it hit me. I was like, you got to win the relationship, not the deal. Hello, friends. Welcome back for another installment of the Revenue Real Hotline. This is a show about all the hard and uncomfortable conversations that arise while generating revenue and how to think or rethink what we're doing, why we're doing it, and then, of course, how to execute differently. I'm your host, who possesses fewer and fewer constitutional rights with each passing moment, Amy Rahupchuk. And I'm glad you decided to press play. I know you've got a ton of options, and I appreciate you, friend. That was Casey Jaycox. Casey is the author of Win the Relationship, Not the Deal. He's the host of the Quarterback Dadcast, and he's a, a sales and leadership coach with a, a resume to absolutely die for. Together, we get into the books that impacted us most along our sales journeys and what made Casey write his, as well as the routine he established to do so. We talk about all the athlete worship that tends to happen in these bro cultures and how the never-ending supply of sports analogies is actually doing far more harm across your team than most realize. Something Casey, a former college quarterback, was an excellent sport about, pun intended. And finally, we get into the current state of race and gender in our workplaces and in our lives. Specifically, how Casey and I each came to be aware of our own privilege for the first time and what we're doing about it. Hang around after the episode. I'll be talking through how to measure myself for my handmade robe in preparation for when we're forced to give birth by the state, something I'm very excited about. So stick around if you'd like to get one for yourself. We have a wool option and a poly blend and possibly some organic fabric to, to test with. Don't forget to follow the show wherever you listen to podcasts so you can be notified each time a new episode drops. I'm Amy Rahupchek. This is the Revenue Rail Hotline and enjoy. Casey Jaycox, welcome to the Revenue Rail Hotline, sir. Thanks for making time for us today. Thank you for the lovely invite. Who is And anybody who's a fan of the Ron Burgundy and Veronica Corningstone. I love joining her show. Oh my God. Anchor team, unite. <laughs> Where's Baxter, by the way? Oh my gosh. Bax Baxter. <laughs> and and we're is, off. <laughs> <laughs> Listener friends, this is uh this is a first conversation, my first conversation with Casey. Okay, so Casey, yep. it's not very often that I find myself um, wanting to research someone for longer or further, because every rabbit hole that I went down of things that you're producing, whether it's the quarterback dad cast, your podcast, mm -hmm. or win the relationship, not the deal, six common sense strategies to succeed in life and business, your book, sir, that mm -hmm. uh, just tipped over a hundred Amazon reviews, by the way, which is fucking baller. Congratulations there. But anyway, I, I kept wanting to research more. And I, I had so many different ideas for 
what to ask you. I mean, I couldn't decide. So I figured we could decide together. Okay. There are a couple things. So the first is podcasting, right? What have you gotten out of podcasting? The second is all the dad stuff, right? We don't talk a lot about the conditioning on what it's like to be a man right now and a father and a husband mm -hmm. and a teammate. And so that piece of it, I'm very, very interested um, in your perspective. And then don't get me wrong. Like I do this for the sellers. Like I do this. I sold for a long time. Like I was raised by a sales leader. Like I, however, I'm starting to see a lot of complaining happening at the AE ranks or what feels like complaining, especially around lead gen right? Mm -hmm. The SDRs and auto. And so there's that. And then the last one is this idea that athletes are like the gold standard. And so there's a lot of opinions, I think, and, and voices that are raising up on this particular topic. And I know that you're a college athlete, D1, right? Former? No, division two, but division there's a story two. about that. Uncle Rico, you're letting me be Uncle Rico here in the, out of the gate. Okay. So which, where do you want to start? Oh, actually, but, so those are the options. We'll come back to that. But for okay. our listeners, why don't you just fill them in real quick about who you are and what you do on a daily basis? And okay. Then, and then we'll start. I'm a dad first. I take that back. Husband first, dad second. Uh, my wife, Carrie and I, we've been married for 23 years. We met in seventh grade. How about them apples? Mm. Um, I am an executive sales and leadership coach by accident. I spent 20 years in IT staffing, consulting, selling project-based solutions. I was our number one seller for 10 straight years. Left as the firm's all-time leading salesperson. And guess what, Amy? It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean shit. It doesn't because we're all replaceable. And guess what? When I left, stock went up 50 points. Maybe that was the problem. I don't know. <laughs> My phone number is not 911. Neither is yours. We're neither. Neither of us are that important. Wait, so you don't have a, su a superhero cape? Like no. You've, you've learned no. to take it off? I got and... a shirt that says, believe. Because nice. I believe what I do matters. You got a, a sign, sign behind you that says for right. you too. You know it. Um, okay. So by uh, accident, you fell into the leadership coaching you were going to say. Yeah. By accident. So I had uh, someone that reached out to me um, and asked me if I coach. I said, yeah, my kids. And they say, well, why don't you coach? I'm like, I'm not, I'm not certified. And I was for some reason stuck on that. And I remember I talked to a guy named Andrew in Toronto mm -hmm. uh, during my year when I was building my business without really knowing I was building it. And I asked him, I say, hey, Andrew, I'm hoping you get your advice since you're a really talented coach up in Toronto. And he said, I go, I'm getting these people that want me to coach them, but I'm not certified. I didn't go to like coaching school. He's like, can I be honest with you? I said, mm -hmm. sure. Mm -hmm. He goes, no, I'm going to be really, really honest with you. I said, Andrew, I've been in corporate boardrooms, I've been on earnings calls. I've been, I've thrown four interceptions in the first half in college, bro. I can take it. Give it to me. He's like, uh, you wrote a book. You were the number one rep. You've been in these executive roles, whether it's nonprofits, all, all this shit get out of my motherfucking face and go help people. And I was like, whoa, but it was the mm. best thing ever because in the end, I'm not making the stuff up. I'm sharing years of failure, a few years of success and coaching to me is a lot about curiosity. It's getting people to think it's getting people to get unstuck, getting people the other way. And I never thought I'd be doing this, but I'm having a blast, Amy. I am having so much fun because when, when as a coach, I immediately can see people's problems. Mm -hmm. They can't, they can't, you know, the whole, the old phrase, when you you can't work on the business, when you're in it, mm -hmm. you get, you get, uh, you it's know, hard the, noise. To fix the engine while you're yeah. driving. Right. So, you're, and you're just too close to it. It's 100%. very, yeah. It's a lot easier as a third party to, to be objective quickly. Mm -hmm. Yep. 
I'm also a speaker and coach for a company called Limitless Minds, which is okay. a company started by Russell Wilson, our former Seattle Seahawks quarterback, now for the Denver Broncos. Still, okay. still trying to deal with that one. Okay. Also, uh, his brother Harry Wilson, his friend DJ Eitzen, and then a great man named Trevor Moat, who unfortunately passed away a couple of months ago. Oh, He's an am- amazing speaker. He wrote the book "It Takes What It Takes." He also just wrote a book called "Getting to Neutral." And um, Trevor was awesome. Um, but Limitless Minds, what we do there is we literally bring the, the mindset of a, a pro athlete to the corporate athlete, and we help uh, bring fundamental ways to think differently. Because, um, and, and I don't know about you, Amy, but for me, as I'm out now out of corporate and doing my own thing, the mindset that we start with each and every day is so undervalued and not talked about enough. And when we start the day with the right mindset, you, you, you know, watch out, watch out. Because unfortunately, too many people, specifically in the Zoom world, you you show up at 7.58, you're tired, maybe you're hungover. You're like, what the hell? I got an eight o'clock call. What's this client even do? Do I even know that? I mean, you just freaking wing it. And that's BS. And the clients deserve more. We deserve more as a company. You deserve more as a seller. But mm. anyway, I'll stop there. Mm. Listeners, uh, Casey didn't get a chance to listen or he couldn't find any of the episodes out. So he doesn't know yet how much he's up on my soapbox. I almost want to push you off, Casey, but like you're... Yeah. I. I wrote an article last a couple of years, two years ago for Sales Hacker um, called Mental Health, the Greatest Competitive Advantage You'll Ever Know. And it's interesting because I go deep into what some of the challenges are to get to and maintain, let's call it a healthy headspace. Sales management, right, is a massive part of that. And I so I differentiate on the show that between sales boss and sales leader. I'm curious though, like what your your client base mm-hmm. at this point like what i'm trying to suss out is how deep into the tech sales scene are you versus and cuz i know that there's a big wide beautiful world outside of of tech sales which is something that the filter bubble um makes challenging but that said i don't i don't know anything about which industry you specialize in or even if your consulting or coaching work is team based or individual-based? So if you wouldn't, what, who do you spend time with mostly at this point? And then um, is it the leader that brings you in to work with them and the full team, or is it the individual sellers that reach out? Okay. I am serving the wealth management space. Okay. I'm serving the insurance space. Got it. I'm serving real estate. Okay. I'm serving staffing and, and consulting companies. Okay. Um. I even have gotten involved with some education as of late. Got it. Regarding like, um, like you think about principals, teachers, that type of relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, Interesting. I love it. Okay, that's perfect. That's perfect. So my dad has a financial services brokerage. I, you know, was fully licensed at that point, and I personally think that staffing is one of the hardest things to sell <laughs> because there's so many moving parts that like you can't control. And so, all right, cool. That's interesting yeah. concept. So I I sold for a decade, um, financial services, ADP, major accounts, and then Thomson Reuters. Final okay. year, hit my quota in February. Um, won a company wide award called the Spacha Award for exquisite champion building. Sold into big law, and I've been playing in in the tech sales space. So in tech, we've got this. We differentiate between like the AE and the front of the pipeline, like the SDRs. Mm-hmm. That are responsible for opening up opportunities, mm-hmm. and so, um, yeah, that's that's a thing. All right, now, Casey, what made you write the book? Tell us about the book. 
I love I'm going to decide question. for us. Yeah, I've decided okay. for us where we're going to start. Love it. That's right. Um, about 10, 10 or so years ago, mm-hmm. I was in Dallas. I was traveling around. So I manage our largest account, started from nothing, took it to the largest account in our company but when I left. Mm-hmm. And I was traveling because the company I, I served, like my customer, started relocating leaders to other markets. And so you can think about in sales organizations, when I am out of my territory, salespeople immediately think of, what? You're trying to steal my shit? What's going on? And I'm like, no, I'm not. I, do you think I want to travel to Dallas? Think I want to be away from my family? My, I got young kids. I don't want to travel, mm-hmm. but I'm doing this thing called listening. The client wants to work with me because I have all the knowledge about the industry. If you mm-hmm. think I'm full of shit, go ask them. Mm-hmm. Go talk to them. Mm-hmm. So once I got past that barrier internally, mm-hmm. I started traveling and I was helping train sellers internally mm-hmm. to help serve these customers differently. Mm-hmm. And I found out these like these younger group of folks were so I was like the big brother. They wanted to like make him make me proud and do everything I can to make me happy. And they were so competitive. They wanted to win every single deal, which I loved. Mm-hmm. However, I said, "We guys, we have to win when we lose." And they looked at me like I was speaking speaking German. Mm-hmm. And right there, it hit me. I was like, "You got to win the relationship, not the deal." How can we do that? So in staffing, Amy, if you hire, let's say you and I are competing, and this water bottles, my client, and my client picks you over me, mm-hmm. hires 10 software developers on a year long project. And I'm like, damn, that would have been bad. Bummed. I would have been great to win that, but I didn't. Now let's say in a week or two weeks, I follow up and say, Hey, Mrs. Water bottle, man, this is Casey with ABC coming. I'm, I'm so thankful for the opportunity to compete. I'm bummed. Me and my team did not get it done. I just want to follow up to make sure that you're getting everything you need. Mm-hmm. That small, simple, teeny follow-up I would do mm-hmm. picked up so many easy deals. So mm-hmm. basic and simple. A lot of times they'd say, Casey, thanks for following up. Actually, three of the developers that were supposed to start and they never showed up are your three people still available. Yeah, they are. Boom. Easy pickup deal. To me, it wasn't about the transaction. Mm-hmm. And so then I thought about like, hey, this is something I'm realizing that I do that no one else does, at least in my world that I lived in. And I wanted to prove, sarcasm coming, that football guys can mm-hmm. put sentences together. We're not as dumb as we look. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to get one comfortable and, and write. I wasn't a writer. I was, I got people always ask me who, where did you learn to become a conversationalist style writer? I was like, what the hell are you talking about? I don't know what that means. Mm-hmm. And I think it's from all the biz dev we do, right? Cause as a business development person, when you're writing and you're messaging, you think the good ones are thinking about tone delivery, or is it easy to read? Is there a call to action? Right. All those things. And so long way answer. That's why I wrote the book. But if I was to say like four, four specific reasons, I wrote mm-hmm. it for, the seller right out of college that the leader is telling them, Amy, go build relationships. Come on. Why aren't you building relationships? And the seller's like, I don't, I don't know how mm-hmm. never done this before. I, I've been on TikTok mm-hmm. my whole life. I do Instagram. I don't talk to people. Yeah. We don't, yeah, we don't, we don't do phone calls in our generation. Yeah. Right. I wrote it for the seller who's stuck. Maybe they're North of 30, they're 35. They got bad habits of, they got complacent. They don't understand what to do. This it's for you. I wrote this book for an executive who's, who wants to help train the right selling mindset to help get people to be more consultative, to be more relationship-based that mm-hmm. book's for you. And the last day I wrote it for colleges and universities. I don't want college graduates who are business degrees to be so academic and, and introverted that they don't know how to talk to people. And they're not afraid to say, I don't know. They're not, af- they, they can, they start away with get rid of the ego out of the gate. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those are the four reasons I wrote it. And, um, it's been, it's blown me away. The, the support I've got, the, the, the impact it's had on people. Mm-hmm. Vulnerably, I will share, Amy, I've read the book seven or eight times just through the editing process. And mm-hmm. when I did the audible version, mm-hmm. 
I, I learned something again from myself, right? So if I'm, if I'm the author, I'm rereading it. I'm learning. I mean, it tells me there's, there's something there, right? Hmm. There's so much wisdom in that. It's, it's funny. It's when people will quote back things to me that I wrote, like, so that's the first, like, Ooh, I wrote that, but I'm reminded more <laughs> interestingly that there was a, so I'm a Ryan holiday fan. Okay. And, sto- and stoicism. Yeah. Okay. But let's be serious that I only found Ryan Holiday through his first book called Trust Me, I'm Lying Confessions of a Media Manipulator. And so, hmm. like, it's there was. I've never the, read that. I, oh my gosh, it is that. And he did one on conspiracy of the Peter Thiel story that, like, it reads like a how to, like, create this conspiracy. But anyway, so this is also exceptional. But anyway, so Ryan Holiday. Um, did the, who I also happen to believe is the greatest marketer of our generation. He did, it's called the read to lead challenge. It's like a 13 day challenge. And so I love reading books, big fan and, and learning to rethink and challenge myself and all that shit. Like there was, when I was learning to sell Casey, just to put it in perspective, I, I gave up listening to music for a year so that while I was driving, to and from like sales meetings that it was all nonfiction. Um, wow. It was like a rolling university for a fucking year. But anyway, so read to lead. But I, I, another one, like I didn't go into that one thinking like, oh, I'm, there's so much that I have to learn on how to be a better reader. Like in my head, it was like, this is market research for how to do a challenge, right? Because I think the challenge model fits nicely into the sales arena because you don't have to compete against the precious selling time that you're going to mm-hmm. steal from the reps while they're, because God forbid we learn on the job, but okay. But anyway, so I, I do this challenge and one of the days was go back and reread something that you read way earlier just to experience how different it is because you're different. And they're amazing. Like some of them, like another one that comes to mind is like count the number of books you have left to read until you die. Mm. More intention into the book type, right? So figuring out where your gaps are. Like I, I realized I, I hadn't touched a biography, whatever. So it was a the best forty five dollars I ever spent. But I to to hear that as someone who wrote the book and is still learning from it afterwards. That's a that's a pretty. Baller statement. Now, I, I I must know. Did the words just pour out of you? Or are you one of those lucky shits that just everything just came so easy and naturally? Or was there some learning to figure out the process and the habits, the routines, all that shit? So Hemingway would write drunk and edit sober. Now, maybe I did that. I'm joking. Mm-hmm. I definitely had a, one one uh, outing. I went to Eastern Washington and I wrote grabbed a bottle of wine. There might be some left, might not. I plead the fifth. Mm. I got it after at that time. Mm. Uh, the, the two best things that helped me when I wrote the book, number one, I did a word map exercise, meaning I blank piece of paper. Okay. Okay. When the relationship not deal, what does that mean? Okay. Ego, authenticity, resilience, grit, follow-up all, I mean, all the words I could think of, I, I put a little cloud around them. Mm. And then I connected these words to other words that I thought would align well. And I highlighted those things and and I had six different highlighters and those six different highlighters became the six chapters of the book. Mm. And then one of my clients, so I used to also, when I was in staffing, we would staff uh, like editors, writers, tech writers, content type people. Mm. 
And I remember talking to shout out to Bobby Robinson, if, you're, if she's listening. And I told Bobby I wanted to write. And she's like, write every day. I'm like, but I like to read. That was, and the, that was the story I was telling myself and I was making excuses without knowing I was doing it. Mm-hmm. Isn't it funny how that happens? hundred percent. Event plus story equals response. We're either the victim or the hero. Right. An event and is just an event. How you choose to interpret it is on you, friends. Yeah. Continue. <laughs> yeah. So when I left corporate, mm. I, I took some time to get my mind right, what I wanted mm. to do. And then I, I wrote for, for every day. I put my calendar from 9 to 1130. Mm. And for four months, that's all I did. Now, there were some days I was like, oh my God, that was awesome. And it was dog shit. Mm-hmm. And there were some days like, oh, this sucks. Mm-hmm. And it was great. Mm-hmm. And I hired an editor and she was great, but the best editor I, the best editor I had throughout the whole journey, super talented, not qualified, no editing background, but the best editor I could have ever asked for in my entire life. Any idea? Um, your wife. Bingo. She knew my voice. And if I could close my eyes, rewind the tape three years ago, like what my book looks like, it is everything I'd ever want. It was, it's, it's under 200 pages for the cell. It says, I don't have time to read BS. You do too. Everyone has time. We all have 1,440 minutes a day. No one gets more. No one gets less. It's your choice. Price is only an issue in the absence of value. God, look at us just freaking quote dropping back and forth, Amy. Keep it going. Well, you, we haven't even started on Jim Collins or um, about seven habits. The seven ha- I did. That was my post yesterday. <laughs> So speak, so that book, yeah, speaking yeah. about relearning, I read um, that book when I was in my twenties. It didn't mean yeah. I was like, so not in one ready. ear out the other. Okay. Made nothing. I shout out to Ray, uh-huh. my boy, Ray Davilia. He had me listen to this book when I was maybe three years, three, four years ago. Mm-hmm. I could not stop listening to it. And it's, it's Stephen Covey's voice. Really? Yeah. Not Is Stephen Covey. Son? Sorry. Yeah. No, it's him. The old dude. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Easy. So funny. I think that, that it was seven habits. That was what I chose to go back and read again because I haven't. And what's interesting though, I had a professor. I went to American University. I actually worked with the basketball team, D1, Patriot League. We're going to play a game on this in a second, but I forget. It was a management course, but somebody like he would, the professor was digging this book. And so I remember having to memorize passages. Now I read it again during that, or probably listened to the audio version. And then I went back. So I'm 38 now. So 15 years it had been since I read it. And the experience for me was I didn't realize how deeply ingrained these principles had become so much so that I forgot where they came from. I I love what you just said, because now, some people who have egos would be too scared to say something like that because our vulnerability- Are you by, telling me that to be vulnerable requires courage? To weird, tell me huh? more, Casey. Yeah. I love that you said that. that's how we get to, to real. And like I always joke that if someone's going to hire me to go um, uh, rewire their lights or fix, fix a door- you're, you're fucking done. You're in trouble. You're, I'm going to start a fire. The, the first windstorm of more than three miles an hour, it's going to blow yeah. the house down. I just, yeah. 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 I can't. Now, if you want to talk how many words per minute I can type, let's go. Right. But, mm-hmm. or who can listen, but I mean, we all got our shit. We all got gaps. So I love that you just openly said that. So shout out to you. Thanks, man. Okay. So now I'm going to take this high, these warm and fuzzies that you're experiencing right now. We're going to, we're going to use this moment. All right. So 
have you noticed an uptick in resistance to the athlete as the gold standard Mm -hmm. in sales? Like, let's just say sales for now. I think there's definitely a stereotype. Have you noticed says, it though? Like, is my question? Have I noticed it from what that in people what are ta- like are complaining about the frame? They're being more like vocal. sports analogies. You mean? Yeah, like or when think of a job description when somebody's putting out like okay, oh, yeah. seller or what's a what is like this idea that you've got to be an extrovert and salesy and like very persuasive and that's the mm-hmm. stereotype the best forum for a seller. And so it's not uncommon to hear hiring managers say things like, you know, former athletes, like when they are looking for, mm-hmm. let's call it the ideal employee persona. But again, that first question is, have you noticed some anger, an increased amount of anger around this frame, let's say in the past year? Um, n- no, okay. I've not, because I've not maybe asked that question. So maybe that's a good homework for me as I'm talking to sales leaders. One of my gaps that I'm working on as uh-huh. a speaker is when I, it's easy for me to give sports analogies because I was a former co- college quarterback. Uncle right. Shout out to Uncle Rico right there. This is your second shout out to Uncle Rico. <laughs> yeah, my boy. But um, if can I tell a quick story about that? Oh, you absolutely may. So I was speaking recently. And one of the things I got taught in my sales career from a, a, a beast of a sales guy named John Kaplan, simple framework called give to take to. Tell me two things that are great. Tell me two things I could do differently. Now that mainly is, was for internal. I took it external. I was like, I, I'm like, wouldn't you rather know from a client how, what's you're not doing well, or do you want to just keep winging it and guess and think that you're the, your shit's awesome? But we all got gaps. So I asked, and I knew the speech went well. I could read the room. The, the guy came up to me, Casey, oh, that was awesome. I'm like, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna still. Hey, tell me two things. I want you to ask your team and don't and challenge them to tell me what I did, what I did not do well. Mm-hmm. The number one thing they said they wish I would have done differently is have more analogies, just not about sports. And I said, that's fucking awesome. Thank you. And so for me, I'm now, that's really on top of my mind because it's easy for me. But if, let's say there's a 52-year-old woman who loves theater and science, well, or someone from maybe Europe that doesn't understand baseball, well, I'm not speaking to them. And I either can say, I either can have this ego and say, well, Nah, I hit 99% of the room. It's not how I'm wired. You know, I like to be liked. I know I'm not going to be liked by everybody, but I like serving people. And so for me, I, I took, I'm going to take that feedback. I'm even going to, I'm going to, I'm going to use your question to me. I'm going to use that. And if I can, I'm going to steal it because I think when we can show that we're open to learning or open doing th- things differently, it just creates a level of authenticity in the room and allows us all to know that None of us are so far from freaking perfect. But you don't have it all figured out. You're not a guru preaching your your pearls of wisdom from a cloud of judgment of superiority on stage because, because I don't have shit figured out either. So that's cool. No. All right. So good. So let's play with this a little bit. And, and I want to, you said you would capture 99% of the room. And I would say right off the bat, and this is a hint, um, you'd probably, it's a safer bet to say you'd capture about 50% of the room. Okay. So now I played lacrosse in high school. I was okay. I was cover point. I, my best friend was a goalie. So that this is, I formed a phenomenal relationship there, but I did not play in college. However, I knew okay. how to keep the book, whatever. And so we're, I respect it is where I'm going with this. I respect it. However, I also understand 
the current state. And so I'm curious, do you know why people are pushing back on the sports analogies as like a gold standard? And I know you said you hadn't seen it or felt it other than this one question, but you can just trust me on it. I'm a salesperson. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, like what, do you know why? What would you say if you had to take a guess? My, my guess, maybe, maybe historically athletes got treated differently. Maybe they didn't have the same rules, be a guess. Um, I don't know. Those, those are two things that come to mind. I don't know. Okay. So the, the, the big ones, and I'm sure a lot of people have different reasons, but I'm, I'm doing this for the listeners here. I want everyone to understand. I think the first is that there are a tremendous amount of paths that someone can take where they get to learn discipline and mastery. Take the piano as one example. Mm. Take, I won a model Congress competition in high school for Speaker of the House, right? So it could be like something stupid like that, but that was a year-long competition. And so the idea that there is only one avenue to discipline, mastery, and greatness is a false dichotomy. That's the first thing. The second thing, when you think about the bro culture that has impacted our beautiful profession, the greatest profession in the world, especially for anyone that is not a bro, um, bros put athletes on a pedestal, as you know. Mm -hmm. And so there's that piece of it, right? So it's like the person automatically gets lumped in with the bros. Mm -hmm. And then when you look at some of the stats around gender and leadership, right? We, we've made very little progress on moving the needle at the leadership ranks on sales floors um, by gender in particular. So 80% of sales floors in tech sales are, are manned by white men. Um, when you have a white man at the helm, the, de- the demographics on the team play out at 80-20. Right mm-hmm. versus 50-50. This is and it's a broad brush, and I think this is these are exactly numbers a year and a half old. But anyway, and so it's this cycle of mm-hmm. sameness. And so when you're outside on the periphery of it, and you're just trying to like get people to have an aha moment or awareness, any mention of athletes, it's just like, what about the rest of us? Well, I hope I hope that people who have worked with me. Oh, you're completely different. I wasn't talking to you. We played this game for the listeners. Okay. Okay. Right. Have you met Casey Jones? Yeah. From uh, our galaxy. I know Casey. So Casey uh, hired, she didn't hire me. I I was on her guest early in my entrepreneurial journey about- Was this still by accident or was this intentionally you landed on the other side of sales? <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't, I, I think everything's for serendipity. I love that movie. That's true. I tear up yeah. every time I watch it. Sorry. That was truth. Um, I think the podcast um, is how are you successful and not part of the bro culture? And um, I just, I don't know if it was from playing quarterback from like, I never wanted to be a dick and I didn't want my, my linemen to hate me. I didn't want my receivers to think because quarterback, you are, you're, you're already on our pedestal. You get too much credit. Mm-hmm. You take too much blame. You got to be neutral in thought. That neutral mind thinking helped me a lot in sports, helped a lot me in business. Mm. You, you said, I really want to hit on. So in 2020, mm. we had Black Lives Matter movement, which impacted me massively in my heart um, about the word privilege, because mm. I was one of those white dudes, middle-aged dudes who thought privilege, like, well, I worked hard. What are we talking about? It was so mm. freaking naive. Mm. Um, then I have attacked my own 
gaps. I, I talk about the in, in people who read my book. There's a spot where I got called out about. I said I said a comment so naively, Amy, in front of a group. I don't have a racist bone in my body. Mm-hmm. Quote that came out of my mouth. The coach goes, "What'd you say?" And I was like, "Oh, that feeling of like I just effed up. This is not good." And she's like, "Why would you say that?" I was like, "I don't know." And then she calls me out in front of me. She says. To, to say that you don't have racism on your body, that tells me you're racist. And now I'm getting defensive. I'm like, what are you, you're, I'm a racist? What? And then she pushed me to the edge, but then back down. And she did it so beautifully. And uh, I almost, I need this woman's name so that we could be friends. Yeah. But I'm sorry, continue, continue. And it, it made me realize that. So as a in, in football, I, I played with Polynesians, African Americans, mm-hmm. um, Hawaiians. I didn't, I didn't take time to learn about their culture, I didn't take time to ask questions. Um, I didn't think about when I'm walking down the street and I don't, and my wife has to move her um, because a white man might steal it. I don't have to think about as a female, if I go into an elevator and two men walk in, am I about to get raped? Am I going to get attacked? If I go the car, all these things that a middle-aged white dude, I never had to think about. And so as I dove in deep mental load, yeah. To not have to like, just no. not have that even be a thing. So <laughs> yeah. shout out to my boy named Dale favors. Dale is from New Jersey in your area and from East orange. And he taught me so much about race relations to the fact that I, I wanted to put myself massively uncomfortable. And I, I too, I did my first ever live podcast interview mm. on what it's like to be an African-American dad in the heart of Black Lives Matter and, how, and teaching your kids, how you, how you keep your family positive, how you being a leader. Oh my God, I need to listen to this immediately. Okay. And I said, I had my wife and my kids watch. I asked my mom to watch. I asked friends to watch. I asked, we promoted it. And, um, he's, and and I met him, I finally met him, him and his wife. And, uh, I read, um, I didn't know what Juneteenth was. Never even heard of that. I did. Yeah. I didn't. That was a recent thing for me too. No. Um, you know, so I love it. So there were, I'm going to ask that you send me that episode after this so that I can include it in the show notes. That's the first thing. The second thing I want to touch on, and this is a Maria Bross, um, wisdom. This is a woman that I, it's, she's a friend now by a lot, but we started off as she's a mentee and her line is that, cause I, I asked her one time, like, cause she was so great at receiving the feedback mm-hmm. and like acting out like crazy shit. Like she got her first sales leadership job and started her 30, 60, 90 day deck with the slide. Like, here's why I wouldn't hire me just to get the, like that kind of baller. Mm. But anyways, Maria's line is that I, I care more about uncover harboring my own blind spots than I do about the sting, the temporary sting of the feedback and keeps her open to receiving the, the feedback, the coaching. <clears throat> and, but I want to, I I'm, I'm looking at the clock. I know we've got, I got a hard stop at, at two here. Cause we're doing that persuasion drills, influence rules, the last event for Andy, but how did you, so I too first recognized my own privilege in 2020. Mm-hmm. What was your first aha moment. What was it? How did that happen? I think it was just, you know, talk, meeting Dale and hearing him say things. And then this phrase hit me. It was like also during the election. It was like, we have to listen to learn versus listen to persuade. That hit me. Maybe that's the next title of my next book. And then it made me think we were talking about restaurants and and I'm like, Hmm, that's a good idea. And so I walked and I was with my family. I said, Hey, Ryder, my son, do you see any people of color in this restaurant? No. Uh, there's a guy named Larry where I play golf in my golf club. He's one of the few African-Americans. Now people where I play golf, they're awesome people. They're, they're open. We talk, but I mean, I can't imagine what that feels like. 
right? And so Dale, my boy, Dale, he has a golf event he does every year. And I've, I've talked to him. I said, I want to be the lone white dude that gets invited to this thing. Surrounded by some amazing brothers. And I want, I want to just go. And I want to invite, if I'm inviting myself, I'm inviting myself. But I would love to get put in that moment of how do I fit in? How do I, how do I use my curiosity to ask questions and build relationships with people? And um, so, I don't know. Understand and understand. Listen to understand. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Okay. Okay. Listeners for me, I, I, there was a, I did a five on Friday episode actually, which is a thing. It's a cool thing, Casey. The topic that day was tips for an SDR, just getting started in tech sales. Mm -hmm. And the young woman that was on the show was whip smart and a black woman. And she had essentially a question. And so she was moved into the industry through a, I think it was us in technology. Right. And because of that trajectory in, which is many ways is one of the only ways in, she was managing like two separate. Okay. And so think about like how hard it, whatever. And so it didn't occur to me in that until that moment. And so then it was that it was, I listened to, it was a recommendation as, as soon as I was ready to receive it. Um, nice white parents which is the by serial in the New York times. It's a podcast. And I feel like everyone that's complaining about all this critical race theory bullshit at the school board level. Like I just need everyone just to listen to this podcast. Mm-hmm. And then of course, white fragility. And then that kind of started the path for me. But with that, I want to read the post that I did this week. And then I'm going to ask my one final question of you. Cause it's, this is, Actually, I'm going to ask while I'm pulling up this post, because I'll read it at the end. But what's, Casey, the most uncomfortable question that you've ever had to have in a revenue context? Um, or being, from being trained? Anything. Um, I want a story because it, it further uh, backs up that I'm, I'm not. Okay. So again, let's go back. Uncle Rico from a business perspective. Number one guy in the company. Oh, man, I'm awesome. Fresh. No, you're not, dude. Um, part of a sales transformation team when I, before I left this, my former company called K-Force and we were, we were training 800 reps or so. And there was five, five, main, five or six of us that were man on the main team. And we had to, it was a kind of like a train the trainer models where I had to like become the expert in this. It was a two day training. So the first day I knew this stuff. I thought I knew it. Um, didn't, didn't practice a ton, but cause I felt like I knew it and I mean, I'd spent so much time. Uh, I, I present in front of my boss, CFO, C you know, a group of executives and their main leader from this company named Ray. Mm-hmm. I get done this 20 minute dialogue. Ray goes, Casey, how do you think you did? I go, okay. I go, I, I thought pretty well. I mean, if I'm being, I, you know, I read the body language of the room felt like it was, you know, I'm stumbling yeah. my words a little bit. He's like, so what I've heard about you is that you're elite. That was nowhere close to elite. That was good. I'll pass you. Sandy, you're up next. Okay. And looks away. And I was like, oh my God, so freaking embarrassed, mad at myself, not mad at him, mad at myself because I made him think that I was too, too good for him and I didn't practice. And it pissed me off. And um, I had the rest, I mean, for, I had to sit in that chair for six hours before the end of the day. And then at the end of the day, I, we break and my buddy's like, hey, Jake, I should want to grab beer at the bar. I'm like, you know what? I'll be down a little bit. I'm, I got to go back to my room and do a few things. And from 6.30 until 10.30, I practiced in front of the mirror, day two content over and over and over and over again. 
Got in, mm-hmm. got in the room the next day, got in the elevator. My, our chief marketing officer is like, Casey, you okay, man? You seem like something's bugging. I'm like, no, I'm just ready to go. I'm ready to attack the day. I'm excited. Can't wait to get started. We get in the room, fast forward and strike. So now you got to go get, get in the room. Ray goes, all right, Sandy, I want you to go first. I'll raise my hand. I'm like, actually, Sandy, if that's, if it's okay, man, I want to go first. And he's like, okay, sure. I was like, and I go, Ray, I'm ready to go. Are you ready? Yep. And I do it. I delivered it flawlessly. And all he looked at me, he goes, Casey, that's what elite looks like. Sandy, you're up next. And I love telling the story because it just reminds me that you're only as good as today. That's all we're as good at. And I think once we stop thinking about these places and see of how great we are, we're not. It's like, this, like, that's why I love working for limitless minds. It's limitless. We're, we are always evolving. We are always growing. No one stays the same. So I love that. I love that. I love that. And it's perfect. It's a, it's a perfect tie into the AEs that are complaining, right? The only thing that we can control friends is our attitude and our actions. And if you are carrying the title of an AE, even though you've been raised in a, in a time and place where there's such thing as SDRs who open opportunities for you, but that is absolutely 1000% part of the job. So welcome back and stop blame shifting if you're listening to this or having a moment. And I'm talking to myself too, but yeah. I always teach, just one thing I coach, I get we'll end on this. I, I love what you just said, Amy. And I like to say when I do like deal pipeline reviews with clients and coaches mm-hmm. and, and I mean, and coach mm-hmm. them, I got taught that deals are won or lost in discovery, regardless of whose fault it is. You can say that oh, client sucks. They got a bunch of bullshit. You didn't ask the right questions. And we take that mindset of it's on us to make sure that we ask everything, either we're trying to convince ourselves this deal needs to be in the pipeline, which it shouldn't. Or if we lose a deal, don't blame anybody else, but yourself, turn your mindset around. you like, tell me what questions I could have, like self-talk Casey, what could I've asked differently? Why was I surprised about that? <laughs> yeah. Get your ass back to the buyer and say, I am constantly working on improving and mastering my craft. And while I'm sad that this relationship for now is yeah. going to you know, move in this direction, how could I have done better? Love it every single time. All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I am gonna read this post, Casey. So, listeners, buy Casey's book, listen to his show. Like, this is a man that you inject more of this voice into your head and into your multiverse, and beautiful fruit will grow. And I'm not even fucking around when I said I'm dead serious. Okay, this was my post for International Women's Day. I used to think the microaggressions I experienced growing up in tech sales were unique to my gender. Casey, I'm going to share the screen too, so you can watch, you can be here with me. Love it. I feel, I feel sad leaving you over here on the side in the Zoom. <laughs> okay. I used to think the microaggressions I experienced growing up in tech sales were unique to my gender. And then I heard Dale Dupree on Andy Paul's podcast talking about how sales bosses lose their minds at the hint of divergence light bulb. And then I opened my eyes and mind to the experiences of black humans in tech sales, how exhausting they too found code switching to be, or the toll hypervigilance takes on their mind and body too. light bulb again. Don't get me started on intersectionality or the plight of the black woman, 60 cents on the dollar, my ass, light bulb, light bulb, light bulb, or that all of Allie's women clients report feeling exhausted, but none of the men do. Another Andy Paul podcast. That's Ali Rosacco, 
And uh, she's an imposter syndrome coach. So yes, today is International Women's Day, a day we call attention to what and who is working. I see you, Heels to Deals, Leslie Venetz and Heidi Solomon Orlick, new book linked in the comments. And today we call attention to the abysmal state of current affairs too. For example, the utter and complete lack of progress made to incorporate less sameness into our leadership ranks after 30 years of, air quotes, trying. VCs, founders, and sales leaders for purposes of this post, or the IMF's global economic participation trend line that is receding at this point. We could call attention to all the women who left the workforce force due to COVID, something Harvard Business Review calls a crisis. Here's the thing, friends. To avoid challenging your own beliefs and experiences is a part of the problem. To remain silent in the face of a cruel comment made in a closed-door meeting is a part of the problem, especially if said comment was framed as a joke. It's not funny. To not notice or call attention to the room you're in, digital or otherwise, comprised mostly of white men, 30% of the population, mind you, is a part of the problem. To not educate yourselves on the terms quoted throughout this post is a part of the problem. To not listen with an open mind to the experiences of those around you without labeling, getting defensive or dismissive, yep, part of the problem. To not investigate your own triggers to send conversation is a part of the problem. To not push for that hiring scorecard Amy Volas reps during all hiring motions is a part of the problem. To do nothing is a part of the problem. And yes, we're stronger together. Men, women, black, white, straight, gay, straight, etc. Will you be a part of the problem this year again too? Or are you ready to be a part of the solution? Look deep inside, friends. The change starts within. I'm talking to myself here too so well written okay. well, you're gonna you're gonna have on your show i'll follow up okay. afterwards i'm get called her out now leslie victory hannah Pryor. you're gonna have them on your show dude hannah was on my show yesterday oh, she was okay and when you were talking about messaging i was like shitting my pants and i i almost brought it up yeah no she's like my favorite person right now the first time i met her i was in tears together no i had no idea we worked together is that how we came to be uh, together on this podcast i think maybe colin mitchell colin hooked it up okay yeah so Hannah and I worked together for years at K-Force, uh, helped to get her, brought, I brought, I didn't, well, I made the introduction to her Limitless Minds. Okay. Uh, she's one of my great friends and she's writing an awesome book. Look out people, here it comes. Um, but yeah, Hannah's a beast. She's a fucking monster. And Casey, thank you so much was for fun. playing with me today. Yeah, this is excellent. Don't forget to send me that episode with the dude that you referenced. Dale Favors, you'll get it. I'm going to make an intro to, to Leslie too. All right. Amazing. Um, and make sure you tell Hannah that, that you were about to intro us because this is, this is <laughs> I could just. Serendipity. Universe girl. Go get them. All right, friends. That wraps another installment of the Revenue Real Hotline. I'd like to thank my guest, Casey Jacobs, for being so damn real and open-minded and vulnerable and demonstrating what true leadership and masculinity look like. And we'll try not to hold the fact that he used to play football against him. And I'd like to thank you too, listeners, for hanging around for the remainder of the conversation. It means the world, and I appreciate you. Do check out RevenueReal.com. There's a new Join the Conversation feature. If anybody has any thoughts or comments or show topic requests, I am all damn ears. Same thing, I'm introducing a a live coaching aspect to the show, and anybody that's brave enough to get into a live um, account strategy session or deal review, uh, that's where we kick things off. 
Don't forget to follow the show wherever you listen so you can be notified every time a new episode drops. I'm Amy Rahovchek. This is the Revenue Real Hotline. Truth, love, and joy all, and happy selling.